Awesome. I'm just going to pray real quick. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to speak your word and to share the the truth uh, of the gospel here in this place this morning. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would would take over um, completely and you would have your way through me, that you would continue to speak to us this morning just as you have been through the worship already and through what Terry shared. Uh, and that you would just, Lord, impart your truth into our lives, that we would have a revelation, we would have an understanding this morning of who we are as your church and what you originally, Lord God, designed and called your church to do. Uh, yeah, so Lord, just have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I, I'm, I'm super excited to have an opportunity to share this morning. I feel like Gosh, I feel like it's been forever since I've had a chance to share here. Stuff's been going on, and we got sick, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I want to share this morning. A little while ago, Keith was really on the theme of prayer. Uh, The theme of prayer, the church needs to pray, what prayer is, the importance of it, the value of it, all that kind of stuff. So I want to talk this morning, and I've titled the message, House of Prayer. House of Prayer. So I want you to, re- re- to remember that. So I, I want to look at some, some scriptures today, some words from Jesus in the Gospels. That then Jesus is, is actually, when we get to that scripture, Jesus in the Gospel is quoting something from the Old Testament that one of the prophets said, um, from the prophet Isaiah, regarding God's church and God's temple. So in the scripture that we're going to read, and we'll get to it in a minute, Jesus is quoting the prophet Isaiah in what Isaiah heard God speak to him about God's intention for his church and and how his church was to function and what the church was to look like and what it was to do. Right? And in this, I, I, I see and, and I, I just feel personally that, that there's a big call out to the church as a whole in, re, in regard to what the church was actually designed for and given by God to do. Because, again, we sung about it in that song, you know, um, break down the walls of all my tradition, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. And, and there is tradition that, that gets built up in churches. And, and whether or not we, we want to believe it, like, because we can... Um, we, we can laugh or sometimes make fun of uh, other faiths and other beliefs and how uh, they, they do that and that's the way they, they do it. That's so silly. But the reality is we have traditions and we have religious things in our life, not just in our church, but in our lives, that if someone outside was looking at us, they would be saying exactly the same thing. So we can make fun of that, but we need to have an understanding that we have traditions and religious things in our life that are actually stopping us from experiencing what God wants to do. Because when we have this religious thing or this religious mindset, then that's what we look at. And though God may want to say something else or do something else, if it's outside of the religious box, that we've created or the box of tradition that we have formed, we tend to say, no, no, that can't be you, God, because that doesn't fit with what my tradition is or that doesn't fit with what I want to do right now. So I see this as a huge call out to the church as a whole to go back to and will firstly understand what God designed his church to do and to be in the beginning. right? Because when we know that, then we can go back to that. And I believe that God is calling us back to that. Because sometimes what we see does not match up with what and who we are called to be, right? And, and it's not always that, um, that we're necessarily doing something wrong, okay? It's not that we're doing anything wrong. It's just that our focus 
gets onto the wrong things. And we slowly, over time, step away from what we were originally called to do. And it's still kind of there, but it becomes the background to all the other stuff that we're doing. And that's when it becomes a problem. It's not that the things we do are bad, but first and foremost, we need to be and, and who God has called us to be. And his church needs to function the way God designed his church to function. So at the same time, I'll hopefully try to shed some light on the verses that, that, that we're going to share so that we can see and understand why Jesus did um, and said what he said. So just a little bit of context. So we're going to be reading from um, uh, just after when Jesus and his disciples come back into, into Jerusalem. Jesus has ridden on the colt and uh, the, the, the donkey. Um, and the people have laid down their coats and the palm leaves, and everyone in the streets was praising Hosanna, pra- praise the Lord. Oh, you know, we, 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 we understand that. So we're, we're just after this is, is, is where we're going to read from. So, and the leading into this is also leading into the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. So a little something interesting before I get on to what I actually want to preach about. In verse 10 of Matthew 21, it says this, this is, as Jesus is, is riding into Jerusalem. It says, And when he had come into, into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? All the city was moved. Now, we, we, we can read that and be like, okay, so something was happening. We, we could think of moved and, and the fact that the people were praising Hosanna and shouting the name of the Lord. We can think, of, oh, they were all moved and they felt this peace and this joy. Oh, wow, the, the Savior is here, right? But what that word moved actually means in, in, in the Greek, it means to become agitated or great anxiety. So what it is saying, the moment that Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem to fulfill what needed to be done, the whole place, the whole city became agitated. And there was this sense, just this atmosphere of something's going to go down. That There was this agitation and this anxiety. It wasn't peace. It wasn't calm. There was agitation and anxiety out throughout the whole city because they felt that something was going to go on. Something was about to happen. And Jesus was going to be the cause of it. And the whole city was on edge and filled with anxiety because of the presence of Jesus. The whole city was on edge and filled with great anxiety, that word actually means, because of the presence of Jesus. And yet we just say, oh, when the presence comes, it's just peaceful and it's calm. But no, no, in this moment, there was anxiety and they were agitated. Something, something was stirring behind the scenes and the people knew it. Everyone felt it, right? Which leads me to the verse, the following verses that, that we're going to really focus on today. So Matthew chapter 21 uh, Verse 12 to 14 says, Then Jesus went into the temple and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. So when Jesus says here, that my house shall be called a house of prayer. Again, I mentioned before, it's a direct quote from uh, the book of, uh, of Isaiah. So in, in Isaiah 56, I'm going to read from verse 5 to 7. It says this, Even to them I will give in my house, and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name. They shall not be cut off, 
This is an important part. Also the sons of the foreigner who join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. So my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. This is what God spoke to the prophet Isaiah, caused him to declare this, that not just the Israelites, not just the people of God, but this is clear that people from all nations, says the foreigners will come into this place and my house, my temple, my church will become a house of prayer for all nations. So the intention for the temple or the house of God to to be rebuilt and to exist was so that it could become a house of prayer for all nations. So the people of all different nationalities could come into the temple and worship the one true God. That was the the design that God had for his church. that, that, That in the end, that anybody could come into his house, into his temple, and for it to be a house of prayer. House of prayer meaning that they could come and they could worship God. They could learn about God. They they could hear from God. They could encounter the one true God. That people from all nations, despite the fact that God had done everything he did for the Israelites throughout the Old Testament, and they were his people, and he was working at at everything he did to make sure that his people were saved. Now it's, it's changing. He says, my house, my church, is not just for Israel, but I'm calling it to be a house of prayer for all nations. Again, uh, in Zechariah, it's actually chapter 8, I got it wrong here, Uh, chapter 8, verse 20 to 22, thus says the Lord of hosts, peoples shall yet come, inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, let us continue to go and pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will go also. Yes, many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Again, this is another one of the prophets, Zechariah, again stating that people from other cities and other nations, they will come and on their travels, they'll go into a city and say, you, come with me. We're going to go to Jerusalem, to the temple, to the house of God, where we can worship in the presence of the Lord. It's interesting that, that, it, that it specifically says Jerusalem in, in this verse. And we know that where Jesus was in this moment just before his crucifixion, he was in Jerusalem at the temple that God was talking about in the Old Testament through, through the prophets, that all these nations will come into his house and they will worship him, people of all nations. right? And, and so we read in, uh, in the verse just before that Jesus comes into the temple, he flips over the tables, kicks the money changes out of the temple and all, of all those who, who, who are buying and selling. Right? And I'm gonna, this is going to make sense when we get there, I, I, I promise. So he comes in, he flips the tables. He, he's like, it actually says that the day before Jesus had come to the temple, uh, it says that he was looking around intently at everything that was going on. He didn't deal with it there in that moment. He went away that night. Right, spend some time with God, goes back the following day, straight into the temple, flips the tables, kicks everyone out, because, because the very fact that these people were doing these things, they were buying and selling, 
in the temple, right, means that the, that meant that the temple was not functioning in the purpose that it was made for. It, the, the temple was not functioning in the purpose that God had intended for it, right? Um, yeah, I'll go back to that in a minute. So let me, let me describe to you the, the layout of the temple in Jerusalem because once we understand the layout, this is going to make even more sense why Jesus did what he did and why it was so important. So, uh, so we, we can understand it. We can have a greater depth of why, uh, depth of why Jesus was so angry. And, and again, remember the line, house of prayer for all nations. That, that's super important, for all nations. Because once we've gone over this, you'll see why, why those words matter and we can understand why Jesus did what he did. So in the Greek, there, there are two words that mean temple. Okay? The first one is uh, naos, or naos, I don't know how it's actually pronounced in, in the Greek. So that word is used um, when they're talking in particular about the inner temple, uh, like where the holy of holies is, is placed, the, the place where essentially only the high priest can go, where it was said that the presence of God dwelt in, in the holy of holies in the inner temple, right? So that, that's, that's, that's the first word. Uh, the second is the word heron, which is used in reference to the outer courtyard. So it's not the inner where the Holy of Holy is, it's the outer courtyards is the Heron, um, of which there are actually four different courtyards in the, in the temple uh, that was in Jerusalem. Four, four separate courtyards outside of the Holy of Holies, right? Um, so those four, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move from the inside out. So we've got the Holy of Holies. Okay, the next one out was uh, the court of the priests. So only priests were allowed to enter this courtyard. The name kind of suggests that. And so this courtyard housed like the altar for the burnt offering, the incense altar where the priests would go in, they would make the sacrifices, do, do all the things that, that they had to do. Next outside of that, we have the court of the Israelites, which was the court that the Jewish people would come um, and assemble for all the temple services. So when they were going to synagogue, they would go into the court of the Israelites. Again, the Jewish people would go into that for the temple services. Outside of that was the court of the women, into which any Israelite person was allowed to come freely. Okay, again, just any Israelite person was allowed to come freely. And lastly, the, the, the furthest one out, was the court of the Gentiles, into which anyone could come, but beyond which was death for a Gentile to penetrate. So the Israelites were allowed into you know the, the inner in, into the inner courts, but any Gentile, they were only allowed to come into the court of the Gentiles, if they, if they proceeded any further, if they tried to go in to any of the, the other courtyards within the temple, it was death for them. They, they were not allowed to go any further into the temple. The court of the Gentiles was the only place that, that, that they could go. So the only place a person who was not Jewish, and the only place a person who was a foreigner from any other nation could go was into the court of the Gentiles. And of course, this is the courtyard that Jesus goes into and disrupts with the statement, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. So we can begin to understand why Jesus was so angry in this moment. There's certain versions do read how um, nations... Um, 
uh, for all nations as well. The Gospel of Mark says house of prayer for all nations in, in, in his version of it. But the only place that people of other nations could go to be near the one true God, to worship the one true God, where they could hear the truth of God being taught, was now filled with these money changes and people selling things. So what was going on is that this was coming up to uh, Passover and um, the, the Israelite people had to pay a temple tax. So that's why there were so many people in the courtyard at this time. And, and, and people, Israelites, are coming from, from everywhere. They're coming in to uh, pay their temple tax, right? But not only that, like there, there's corruption going on in here. The, the people taking the money are charging more than need, need be. There's people in the temple selling doves and selling lambs and that kind of stuff that the people could buy um, so, that, so that a sacrifice could be made, so that they could be cleansed. But again, Corruption, because in the markets outside of um, outside of the temple, people could buy their lands and buy doves and all that kind of stuff. But what was happening is the priests and everyone who was doing this inside. If anyone bought in something from outside, they would say, "No, no, that that's blemished. That that's not okay. You can't use that." And the people inside this courtyard were selling the doves and everything for as much as fifteen uh, fifteen times more than what it cost outside. So people were coming in, and there's this corruption. And and Jesus is like, "What is going on in my temple? My temple is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations." Yet the only place where people of other nations can come is now filled with corruption and there's no space for these people to come in and hear the word of God because there's buying and selling and there's all this stuff going on. So we can begin to understand Jesus' anger and frustration because the temple wasn't functioning in what it was designed to do. There was no room, there was no space and there was no place for a foreigner who was not of the nation of Israel to come into the temple because it was filled with corruption and all this stuff going on, right? And th- this particular time, again, Passover was, was one of the worst times for this because they had to pay the temple tax and, and all that kind of stuff. So Jesus' anger was being poured out because the very thing that the temple was made for so that people could come and pray and worship God, it was no longer a possibility. The only place people of foreign nations could go was being used for other purposes that was not fulfilling the purpose of God. Right, so we, do we understand like, why Jesus was so angry? Because what, he, what, what, what God had intended for his temple and for his church was not a possibility because of the corruption and, and, and the, the, the priests and all that had become more focused on we need money, we, we need to do this, so let's use this courtyard where the other nations uh, can come and, and let, let's, let, let's do this here. And yet they're hindering the very thing that God's temple was designed for. So let's just fast forward this to the church today, okay? The, the Western church in 2022. And let me just ask you this question. Is and does the church right now function as God intended? Is his church a house of prayer for all nations? Is his church a house of prayer for all nations? Is anyone of any background welcome to come into the church? Or have we messed up somewhere along the line and, and made it unwelcoming for somebody to come in, like the foreigners, for lack of a better word, to come into church? And when they do come into church, 
Are they being presented with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is the gospel of Christ first and foremost what is being presented to people? Or is it in the background? Behind everything else that we do? Hey, this is who we are. This is what we do. Uh, Join us in this. Oh, also, Jesus. Right? Again, Nothing necessarily wrong with all this stuff out here. It's fantastic and we're called to do this. But first and foremost, God's temple was a house of prayer for all nations where people of all backgrounds and all nationalities could come and they could hear the truth about who God is. Right? That's what the church was designed for. Is the gospel of Christ first and foremost what is being presented to people? Is the truth of the kingdom of God what is being presented to people to come in? And, and I'm not saying that, um, that you know, we're doing everything wrong or anything like that. I just I want to ask this question because I think it's important that, that we at least begin to think about this in our minds. Because not only here in the church, but when we go outside the church, is the gospel of Jesus the first thing that we're presenting to people that we meet out in the world who need him? Or are we talking about all the other stuff that we do? It, it, like, again, I love Uganda. I, I, like, Uganda is such a huge part of, of my life, and, and, and I can't wait to get back there again and, 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 and sink my teeth into that. But if that is what's first and foremost in my mind and not the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then what I'm presenting to people, though it may be something good, it's not what God's temple, God's church was designed for. It's designed as a place where people could come to hear the truth of the gospel, a place where people could come from anywhere, of any nation, of any background, and hear the truth of God being spoken and declared and have an opportunity to give their lives to Him. And, and, and I, I just wonder sometimes, and again, not, not necessarily us, but you, you hear stories about other churches and people can sit there for months and never really hear the gospel of Jesus presented. They can hear about everything else be, be, being talked about and uh, the ten joys of motherhood and, and um, you know, six ways to receive financial blessing in your, in your life, right? And people can come for months and months and hear all this stuff and then once, and they're sitting there going like, oh, this is kind of cool, but, you know, there's... A, what is this about? And then one Sunday, there's, hey, someone gets up there and preaches a message about Jesus and the people are like, this is what we need to hear. This is who we need to be. Because in an understanding of Jesus and with Jesus at the center of our lives, right, then we can begin to understand and he can teach us about the joys of motherhood and his word can teach us about the, you know, the, the blessings and the, like all that kind of stuff can come. But if that's what the focus is and then Jesus is just a second thought, then the church is not functioning as it was designed to and called to by God? Is there an opportunity for people from all nations to encounter God, to learn about God and be free to worship God? Or are there still hindrances to this? Are we bombarding people with too much other stuff when they walk through the doors of the house of God? the gospel is the center of who we are. Without Jesus, it's nothing. 
yeah, we can support the She Rescue Home. We can continue to do all our stuff in Uganda, and we should. We should. And the Word of God tells us that we should. But it also tells us that first and foremost, Jesus. That's, all that stuff is an expression of our relationship with God through Christ. That's not who we are. We are sons and daughters of God. We are saved and redeemed because of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the truth of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And all that stuff is a reflection and an outworking of our relationship with God. That is not who we are. We are God's people. This is God's church. God's church is designed to present the gospel of Jesus Christ first and foremost. So my heart for the church, and of course I'm talking about us, but just the church as as a whole, is that first and foremost we go back to doing what we were made to do. To be a house of prayer, a place of prayer for all people from all backgrounds to come in and get to know the one true God. A place where new believers can come in and straight away be presented with the glorious truth of the gospel and not have to wait months to hear a message about Jesus. But again, all that other stuff is great. But if it's not based on the gospel of Jesus, then we're missing it. Right? We're not giving people that opportunity to encounter Jesus. People don't need to encounter the truth about the travesties going on in, in, in other nations. We, we, we know. Like, it's all over the news. You, you can see that stuff anywhere. We, we know what's happening. But people don't know Jesus. And that, that's, that's who we're called to be. That we, God's people, have been called to serve in the house of prayer, need to have this same mindset, first and foremost, first and foremost, our lives present the gospel of Christ. And again, please don't get me wrong, I love all the things that we do throughout this town. I love the pay it forward. I love the community connects. I love the food packs. I love Uganda. I love the youth, the kids. I love it. And it's all important and it's all valuable and it's all a part of what we're called to do. But first and foremost a house of prayer for all nations. A house of prayer for all nations. So I guess the, the question that, that I, I really want to pose to us today is this. Are our lives and are we as a church first and foremost about presenting the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because the most important thing, because it is the most important thing that we carry. And it's the most important truth that we have, is what Christ has done. Not all the money we've raised for this and that, no. It's what Christ has done. Out of all the truths that I've learned from Scripture, one of them is greater than any other. And... And, and, and one of them is of absolute and utmost importance to us and to the lives of, of, of all believers. And in John three sixteen to 18, a lot of you have heard this before, 
But this is the essence of the gospel. This is the message, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So what's the truth in that? People need Jesus. The church is called to represent and to present the truth of the gospel of Jesus above everything else our lives outside of these walls, first and foremost, the gospel of Jesus. And this is just as much to me as it is to anybody else, right? First and foremost, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's how God designed his church to be. That was his intention from the very beginning. That all people, all nations come to believe in Jesus as the Savior. And through believing in Him that we should not perish but have everlasting life. That, that's, that's what it's about. Jesus alone is our Savior. And, and, and my, my heart for all people is that they come to know and understand the truth written in these verses and the entire truth of Scripture because it all points to Jesus, right? That in this church, in our church, in this house of prayer, that all people from all nations and all backgrounds when they come, that they hear and that they know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ as God intended His temple to be. Because if we do that, then we're doing the right thing. All the other stuff that we do will flow out of the gospel. Right? And again, I'm not trying to say that any of that stuff is wrong. But if it's not gospel first, if it's not Jesus first, then we're not operating how God called us to. Because he, he called his early church. He said, go and, and be generous. Go and do all that stuff. Take care of the widows. Take care, take care of the orphans. Take care of those who can't take care of themselves. Do all of that stuff. But first, Jesus. First, the gospel. First, the anointing and the power that comes from heaven in our lives so that that work can be blessed. Right? And it's, and it's not just the work we do as a church, but, but your work and what you do. If the gospel is first and foremost, then everything else is just going to fall into, into place because the focus is right. Not, not that everything's going to be right and everything's going to be perfect and everything's going to be easy, but when Jesus is the center of all that we are, when the gospel is first and foremost and when the church and its people are focused on, on simply being a house of prayer so that all people of all nations can come, when somebody comes in, into our home who doesn't know God, are they, are they getting Jesus? Is is that what's first? 
Or is that tagged onto the end of, of, of what we do and talking about everything else? The gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that we need to beat people over the heads with it, but our lives need to be a living example of the truth of the gospel and what Jesus has done in us. And his church needs to be a living, breathing expression of the glorious truth of the gospel. Where there's freedom in this place to worship how we feel we need to worship. That, 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 that we're not worried about, oh, I can't do this because that's not right traditionally. Or the, 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 the way that we've done it for the past six years is this. No, no, we, we can break out of that to follow the truth of what God wants to do. We, we, we don't need to be bound by all this other stuff. I encourage you, come, when, when you come to church, come expecting God to move. Come ready and say, God, whatever you want me to do, if you want me to get up and dance around, then I'm going to do that in the morning. If you want me to sing and to shout louder than anybody in this place, then I'm going to do that this morning. When, um, the, the, over in Cobram, there's a, there's a couple there who has two young kids, and you would have seen them and heard them when they're here in this place, right? And... Um, because they sing louder than anybody else. They're not the best singers in the world. Not the worst, just not the best. But why do they sing? Because there's something inside of them and it brings them joy to loudly express and glorify what God has done, right? And yes, we can get annoyed at it and we did when we were over there. Definitely, but there's something about it, right? Let's, let, let's be the house of prayer that we're called to be, that, that people can come in and, and they see us and they see the church jumping and praising and shouting and singing and, and, and not that that is to become this religious thing that, that we do. It's not like, hey, you have to get up and, and dance, but be free to express the joy of what God has done in your life in His church because that's glorifying Him. That's praising Him. That's us being the house of prayer that when people come in, that's what they see, joy and happy and, and, and the, the, the church worshipping Jesus Christ for what he has done. That's who we're called to be. So again, I, I just, it's something that, that, that we can all ask ourselves individually and we as a church can, can, can look at this and, and ask this question. Are we first and foremost about the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because if we're not, then we need to change some things. We need to move some things around. Because people aren't saved by anything other than Jesus. People aren't set free by anyone other than Jesus. People aren't healed by anyone other than Jesus. Our lives aren't transformed by anyone other than Jesus. So here's what I want to do. Is he, like, could you just come just strum, just, just play something for us, please? Um, I, I just, just want to give everyone in this place a, an opportunity um, 
I'm not going to ask you to come out the front. But, but if this morning, if, if you are someone who, who maybe is in that place of being the foreigner and coming into church and this is your first time, or you've never really heard the gospel of Jesus presented and you've never really heard it taught or understood that you were saved and redeemed through Jesus and that it's a relationship with Jesus that sets you free, that it's a relationship with Jesus that changes your life, it's a relationship with Jesus that sets you on the path to eternal life because of the glory of God, then I just want to ask you this morning to simply just raise your hand in, in this place. You're not going to have to come out. I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. But if that is you and this is the first time that, that you ha- have really I- I- encountered the truth of the message about Jesus Christ and, and you want to respond, if you're understanding that, 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 that the house of prayer is, is what the church is designed to be and you want to acknowledge that this morning, then I simply just want to ask that you raise your hand. No one else is paying any attention, right? It's just between you and God, and I'm going to see it, and, and if it's you, we can have a chat uh, uh, um, Have a chat after church. But I, I just want to give that, that opportunity. Because that's what we should do.